you have your Bibles, please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 6 through 18 is our study. Seems to be a perpetual study. I think you have eight, eight points in your outline, and this is my uh, 13th message. I told you when I started this message, I originally came up with 40 points, so I'm right on schedule. Let's pray, and then we'll read the word of the Lord. Father, we come now to hear you. Father, the distractions and the things of this world are so powerful. And yet, Father, I pray that now we set our hearts to things above. That, Father, you would give us ears to hear. That you would give us eyes to see. And, Father, what our brother Paul is giving us this day is extremely powerful. It's extremely important. And yet, Father, there's so many in the body of Christ who are unaware. Lord, I ask that you teach this day. That, Father, as you have moved my heart, as you have strengthened my soul, and just my time in this text, I pray that these dear people, these precious, precious people, would be moved and stirred also. That they would understand the glory of this new covenant. And Father, that uh, as Christ said, seek your kingdom and your righteousness and all things would be added. That we would understand the magnitude of what the Apostle Paul gives us here in just these small verses. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for drawing us. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for your precious bride, your church. Father, thank you for your spirit and your holy word. In Christ's name, amen. Beginning at verse 6. Who has made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit? For the letter kills and the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death and letters engraved on stones came with glory so that the sons of Israel could not look intently at the face of Moses because of the glory of his face fading as it was, how will the ministry of the Spirit fail to even be more with glory? For if the ministry of condemnation has glory, much more does the ministry of righteousness abound in glory. For indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. Therefore, having such a hope, We use great boldness in our speech and are not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds are hardened for until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. We're looking at the glory of the new covenant. And this is a text just in verses 6 through 18. Paul basically is condensing the whole letter to the Hebrews. Um, 
And, and one of the things that I have seen consistently in the body of Christ in my years of serving is there is a misunderstanding of the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Testament and the New Testament. I had an opportunity several years ago to meet with the president of Denver Seminary. And uh, he said he was amazed that these kids are coming into seminary wanting to be, quote unquote, pastors and thought that the God of the Old Testament was different than the God of the New Testament. And that ask when asked, a professor would ask a seminary student, how were you saved in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant? They all repeated the same answer by keeping the law. And, and you, you, you have to sit and say, what? And yet that is the lack of understanding that exists in the body of Christ. Last few years ago, we were going through 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 says, I do not want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. What is the implication of that statement? Ask yourself a simple question. Is the church ignorant of spiritual gifts today? Why? How can that be possible? But I watch the church when it's lack of understanding between the old covenant and the new covenant. And it's the same. It is literally the same. And I watch people. What he's fighting here in Corinth is the same thing that Martin Luther fought. But at what I watch Martin Luther or what Paul fighting, I look at it today and we're fighting it. And I'm not talking about Roman Catholicism, Orthodoxy or Episcopalianism or any of these other things. I'm talking about what has creeped in to the evangelical Protestant church. And it breaks my heart. And it's happened relatively fast. Within 15 to 20 years, it has crept in. And, 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 I, and I wonder at what point are people going to back away from methodology and external religiosity to embrace true spirituality in walking with the person of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't understand that. That's what he's dealing with right now. And he, he contrasts the old covenant now, please understand, when I speak of the Old Covenant, I'm talking about the Mosaic Law. Mosaic Law is broken into three parts. Okay, you have the civil law that separated Israel from all nations. You have the moral law, what you and I know as the Ten Commandments. Then you have the ceremonial law that the sacrificial system came out of, right? Right, right. Some of you agree. Some of you, what? Moses? Is that Charlton Heston? No. Okay, he's already stated that the Old Covenant has glory. When Moses came down, he gives you the picture. When Moses came down being in the presence of God, he reflected the glory of God. But what happened? It would fade. But he'd go back and he'd talk to God, be in the presence of God, and he would come back out and he would reflect the glory of God. It's sort of like I use the illustration. It's the difference between the sun and the moon. Okay, the moon will shine. As long as it's reflecting the sun. All right. Remember when Jesus was on the Sermon on the Mount or not on Sermon on the Mount, the Mount of Transfiguration. He pulled back his humanity and what was there? The glory of God. 
All right, now think about it for a second. The old covenant was reflective of God. The new covenant is inside and comes forth in the glory of God. See why the Apostle Paul doesn't want anything to do with it. Okay, last week we looked at Philippians 3. Philippians 3, he says, listen, when it comes to works of the law, I'll stack mine against anybody. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am an Israelite. I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. When it comes to the law, a Pharisee. And he says, and I count it all scublion, excrement, rubbish to be thrown away. Because here's the flaw. The old covenant in its glory has a, has a problem. Nowhere in the Old Testament do you see the law saving you. It can't save you. It shows you you need to be saved. And those who were saved in the Old Covenant came to the law, were crushed by it. He says here is a ministry of death. In verse 9, it is a ministry of condemnation. And at some point, a person comes to the law and it crushes them. And they go and they beat on their chest and they cry out, Have mercy on me, Lord, a sinner. In the old covenant, they would come to that place knowing that God in the future had redemption in plan. And it would be fulfilled in the new covenant. See, the old covenant had glory. But when you compare the old covenant with the new covenant, which glory is so surpassing, it appears that it has no glory. That it has no glory. That's amazing. And yet I watch us slowly but surely want to sneak back over to an external religiosity and we think it makes us more spiritual. We do it in odd ways. Strange ways. You know, we do it. We we have an event called altar calls. Come forward. Why? I mean, there's a time to call. I have never preached a sermon not expecting a response. But you don't have to get up and tell me about it. Just do it. You never preach a message not expecting change unless you've all arrived. If you've all arrived at absolute perfection, why are you still here? And when I see this, and I see this new covenant that had enough power... To save those under the old covenant and us under the new covenant? What glory is that? Well, I can tell you it's kind of like this. We with unveiled face beholding as a mirror, what? The glory of the Lord. When I look in the mirror, what am I seeing? Now, listen. One of the things that will come up, civil law is gone. Okay? Civil law was Israel's life among pagan nations. Okay? Paul describes it now. Jew and Gentile are one in Christ. See, Paul looked at the world. You have Gentile. 
You have Jew and you have church. Okay? So the civil law is irrelevant now. Okay? The sacrificial law is gone. Go take your sheep and try to kill it up on top of the Temple Mount right now. And I'll bet you you'll be in the newspaper. Okay? The sacrificial system is all gone. Why? We have a sacrifice. You know what? Even the priestly line is gone. Do you understand that? Why? There is one high priest. Christ Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. Hebrews tells us. All right? So the only thing is left, because people ask me, so what do you believe in the Ten Commandments? Duh. (laughs) Yeah, I believe in the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments still is the rock that breaks sinners. Okay? Remember, he says here, it was letters engraved on stones. That's the Ten Commandments. You still stand up. I said, you know what? You think you can do it? I'll just give you ten. I'll tell you what, I'll make it easy on you. I'll even go with Jesus' line. I'll give you two. You don't even have to do ten. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Just go do that. Okay? Now, if you can do that with never breaking either one of those, then you don't need the new covenant. still that rock we preach the law and we uphold that law why it is the thing i see people today and over and over and over and over who their family is a mess and maybe they're you know they they they're maybe they're looking at a divorce or you know some infidelity showed up or Showed up. That's an understatement, isn't it? <laughs> it, was, it was over there and it just came around. Um, it, maybe they're having problems with their kids. Maybe they're having problems with jobs and they, the finances is a mess in, in this day and age and all the rest of it. And it, just a myriad of reasons, okay, that all of a sudden they want to be saved. And nobody, well, maybe they are, but I have never heard, we'll say it that way, would say, you know what, God, let's make a deal. You bring me the perfect wife or husband, make my kids angels, and keep me a good six-figure job, and I'll be your Christian. Now, nobody's going to say, let's make a deal, but you watch their actions, what is it? It's a deal. Um, I've had the opportunity in my life to deal with young men and, well, and some women in jail who want to get saved. And I explained to them, the easiest thing in the world to do is walk with Jesus in jail. There's no distractions. You can't even pick up what TV show you're going to get to watch. You don't know when you're going to get to watch TV. You don't have to worry about radio or anything else. What do you got to do? Oh, I can pray and read my Bible. Hallelujah. But guess what happens? You might want to pray for the judge to increase your sentence to life. Because once you step out of here, there's going to be this huge flushing sound. Because they're in there, they realize that, you know what? My life is a mess. I've screwed all of this up. This is bad. This is bad. Oh, I don't know. Jesus, save me. And then they get out. 
Okay, and they couldn't figure out where a church is. They can't do this. They can't do that. They can't. And I see this over and over and over. Again. First guy I ever baptized in my life. Um, uh, he, he, I wasn't the pastor. Um, I was just part of the leadership. And it was this church. Um, and, and, and this guy was broken. I mean, he came up, man, and he was bawling like a baby. This is a, uh, uh, old construction worker guy. And I've just, you, you look like God had run over him. Okay. And he wanted to be baptized. And so they said, well, Terry, would you be willing to baptize him? I said, yeah, I'll baptize him. And so we're going to baptize him. And, and we were talking and we explained to him what was going on with baptism and baptism doesn't save you. And it's a, um, outward action of an inward reality, da, 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 all the rest of it. He got baptized. He wanted to be in a Bible study, his men's group, you know, anything, you name it. Just give quick, 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 bar, 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 bar. Okay. And then as I got to spend more time with him, it dawned on me, he had got caught with another woman. And his wife had given him the boot. And he was wanting God to heal his marriage. And so what he would do is he would go to these Bible studies and baptisms and all these other things. And then he'd call his wife, who was in the process of divorcing him, and say, you know what? I learned this today and this today and this today. And I'm a changed man. And she said, I don't believe you. And that went on, I don't know, about three months or something like that. And her, his divorce papers came through. And he took off on a drunk that lasted him about uh, six months lost everything that he had left remaining and took off and went down to uh, someplace in Arizona and was going to start all over again and God can kiss his. And he told me that. And he took off and last I heard he had died uh, by himself in a little trailer house just outside of Phoenix. Okay. Was he saved or not? He walked aisle, fill out the membership card baptized anytime the church doors were open he was there but i'm thinking that when he looked into the mirror he wasn't really seeing the glory of the lord because you know what the law still shatters sinners the moral law is repeated in the new testament you can see in the new testament there is no more israel Jew and Gentile are one. The ceremonials are gone. There's no new moons. There's no feasts. There's no sacrificial system. There's no more Sabbaths. But the moral law is repeated. It's seen in the New Testament. It's still in the face of the sinners. When the Columbine shootings happened, I was down there that day, and, and everybody was trying to figure out how did this happen and what can we do to stop it. And, and I remember the murmurs within that first week. Well, what we should do is put the Ten Commandments back up in our schools. Really? You really think that's going to fix it? See, that moral law, that Ten Commandments, is to show the sinner their sin. You know what? God doesn't save you to repair your marriage. God doesn't save you to get you a better job. God saves you because you're a sinner. You're an offense to him. And if the old covenant was all by itself, just standing there, 
it is absolutely useless. Even with the picture of Moses, the reflection of the holiness of God, it is absolutely useless to save. It's impossible. The new covenant comes by grace through faith, and it provides what the old covenant could not provide. Verse 6, it provides life. It's life eternal. Verse 7a and 8 and 9, it produces righteousness. Did you know that the old covenant cannot produce righteousness? When I say righteousness, you guys are going to get tired of hearing this, but I want you to know it. Right standing with God. Okay? See, I was teaching in Sunday school this morning. You can be right standing with man all day long, but it's useless. You need to be right standing with God. The new covenant provides that. And yet, I, I see so much in the church today that isn't even biblical that we do. I mean, oh my goodness. And I don't even have to look at Roman Catholicism. I don't have to look at Orthodoxy, Russian or Greek. I don't have to look at any of those things. All right. I can look at the evangelical community and say what you're doing is not biblical. I, I deal with pastors in this community and have for years and years and years. When you've been in town as long as I have, I've seen it come, I've seen it go. And they all toot the same horn. They all have a better idea. They all think they all got it figured out. And I keep thinking, why don't you men read your Bibles? I do not understand that. They are clueless. Some of these guys, you just sit there and go, you know, I, I tell some of my friends, I said, you know, I can usually tolerate these guys for about three to six months. And then usually somebody says something and you're like, excuse me. You know, and it used to be I could just sit and say, well, where is that in the Bible? But sometimes they say stuff that that just. It's like fingernails on a chalkboard. You're like, no, I can't let that one lay. See, I think about Paul dealing with the Judaizers who would come in behind him when he planted these churches through Asia, Asia Minor, and up to the underbelly of Europe. And at least the Judaizers had a covenant that had some glory in it. Right? I mean, I, you know, you guys want to go out and kill a chicken because you sinned against somebody or, you know, I don't care what you're you're doing, a burn a candle or, or, or things like that. But I look at some of this stuff that we're doing today, and it's it's a ceremonialism that has no place in Christendom. And it has no glory. You can't even base it on the Old Testament. Those are the ones that drive me nuts. I remember in 1998 where they said all Christians need to go and celebrate the Jubilee celebration of Israel. What? Yeah. The 50 years of Israel. You've got to go celebrate that. Well, for one, I ain't Jewish. For two, what? <laughs> I, but I've, I had people, I bet I got inundated daily in mail. And, you know, we're putting together a jubilee celebration in, in Israel and come and celebrate what you're supposed to. I ain't celebrating that. Now, I like leg of lamb, but I'm not going to get into the Passover thing and all the rest of it. 
It's a non-glorious approach. And Paul is telling you and I, as he told the Corinthians, stay away from it. Stay away from it. And yet you think about it. You think I'm kidding you. Right, let me ask you a question. Can anybody tell me who led Paul's music ministry? Just a question. But I hear people tell, you know, my church would flourish if we could get some musicians. Really? You think so, huh? What are you adding to that? Now, listen, I like singing. When you carry a tune like I do, you like it when more people sing. And I like singing. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? You know who the worship leader in this church is? Me. Okay, and the only reason I am is I'm the one with the Bible right now. Whoever's up here with the Bible, guess what? They are leading in worship. And you know what? I have a hard time. Now, I do see in Philippians where music comes out of worship. Well, what was we doing before? The preaching of the word. That is worship. And one of these days, you guys are going to show up. <laughs> Music's going to be at the end. <laughs> just, just going to keep moving it around. What's he going to do next? See, all we need is grace of Christ and faith in the simplicity of Christ. That is all you need. That is all you need. It's a personal relationship made possible by the power of the Holy Spirit working in the heart. Look at the end of verse 7. End of verse 7. Moses, because of the glory of his face, was what? Fading. Okay, the old covenant was what? It's fading away. Fading as it was. Did it have glory? Yes. The point is, the glory that of Moses' face with a reflection of being in the presence of God is what? Temporary. After he encountered that, after he had experienced that, it was gone. It was passing. He uses the same term in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. He says, we do not speak wisdom among the mature as, as a wisdom, however not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. The rulers of this age, the wise ones of this age are what? Passing away. Same terminology. Why? The glory that Moses experienced, the glory that Moses pinned down in what we call the Old Testament has passed away. The glory of the law. See, Paul sees the analogy as the glory of the law. The law has a glory. Still does to this day. When it crushes a sinner and says you are a sinner and you are headed for condemnation, that is glorious. I see people getting saved and they don't even know what they're being saved from. I want a good relationship. So I, I ask him, I get guys, I deal with lost people, you know, working on motorcycles and things like that. And, and they'll come and they say, well, you got any single women in church? What? Yeah, but they're all four. No. <laughs> and I said, well, why are you looking? They said, well, you know, I'm about done with my running around. I would like to get me a good godly woman. And you know what? I would say hearty amen to them, but not in my church. <laughs> 
I mean, that's a, that's a decent desire, I would think. But perhaps there's another problem. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? These are some of the things that are there that you and I do not look as, as rituals, as ceremonies, as systems, as methodologies. But they're non-existent. They have no help. You have the simplicity of Christ. And, and the law is the one that says, you know what? You ever thought about this? You go back into the 50 Psalms and, and David is broken man. Okay, he's had Uriah murdered, uh, Bathsheba, he's committed adultery and the first, the, the child dies at birth and, and, and it's a mess, right? Okay, one of the amazing things that he says there, he says, against you and you alone, Lord, I have sinned. Now, I bet you Uriah would argue with that, but, but he understood that my sin was before God. And against you, I have sinned. You have a right standard that is here, and I'm not even getting close. And he understood that. That's why God could say, he is a man after my own heart. See, Paul sees the purpose of God through this old covenant was to show us that though it had a glory. It was a passing glory. It was a fading glory. See, the law was not a permanent answer. The, the law says you've got a problem. It is a cataclysmic problem. It was like if somebody sent you the bill for the national debt. This is yours. It's not the nation's. You owe this. Start paying now. See what the law was not final. And yet the law was never intended to be the last word. And yet I watch people think that it is. Have you ever seen those Christians walk around all mad? With their foreheads all wrinkled up? They're doing their best to keep the law. Like it's going to make them more spiritual or it's going to make them this or it's going to make them that. You know what? You can't do it. Christ does it through you. And I, I want so much to just scream that from the mountaintops. You can't do this. 40 days of purpose. Okay. Everybody says, man, that's a dandy. You can just and do this. You know what the basis of that's for? They say in 40 days, it becomes a habit. Therefore, if I can get you to do something for 40 days, then you'll be good to go. Okay, here, I've got one for you. Read your Bible for 40 days. Just read it. I don't need a study guide or a calendar. Just read your Bible. Okay, now let's see if it works as a habit in 40 days. Because you know what? I read my Bible and have now for almost, almost, I don't know how long it's been. And I read it every day. Every day. I read second, I have been reading second Corinthians every day now for, how long have we been in it? Yeah, I think it's been like, no, three years. So when I've been reading it for, I started a year ahead of time. Oh, nine. There we go. All right. So a year. All right. But I read it every day. Why? It still ain't a habit. 
I'm trying, but it ain't a habit. I guarantee you, anybody in here ever struggle with, that guy's yelling at me to read my Bible and I just don't feel like it. Anybody in here struggle with reading their Bible on a daily basis? Well, that's all get me one of them one-page devotionals. Dude, I can do this. Right? Why isn't it? It should be a habit. You know, after 40 days, right? It ain't. It ain't. Why? It comes from the inside out. It isn't you doing it. Now, I would encourage you to push through. I really would. Okay. But you can't come to your house. You reading today? I don't think you want me to do that. I know I don't want to do that. The law can't save. It was never designed to save. It was the final revealing of God. Here I am. How you doing? It pointed to something greater. The saints of the Old Testament got saved because they put their faith in the mercy and grace of God that in the future he would redeem them. That is awesome. When I look at the moral law, I look at it and I say, this is what men should do. Okay? But you know what I do when I look at the moral law? It couldn't enable us to do it. It just says, this is what you should do. And I watch people in the body of Christ who are just mad because I'm going to do this. And you just sit there and go, boy, I hope it doesn't get on me. The moral law is the basis of damnation. It's not of salvation. The moral law is the basis of condemnation, not justification. Something had to be added. You know what's amazing about this? The Jews know this. They still know this. And yet they ignored it. Jeremiah the prophet in 31.31 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. What is that? That's the Ten Commandments. I'm going to make you a different one, a new covenant. Listen, this is not deep theology here, people. I've asked Jewish people, what do you do with that? He's telling me that your Mosaic law isn't permanent. I'm going to make one that is permanent. And it has the ability to save. It says here, this covenant I will make with them, the house of Israel declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their heart. I will write it and I will be their God and they will be my people. That's the new covenant. It's fulfilled and you and I stand in it. It is the glory that should be blowing forth from each of us. The Jews know that the old covenant wasn't a lasting one. And yet, they want to hang on to the obsolete. They want to hang on to the external. Now think about it for a second. When you are convicted, I've had people who left this church... Okay, and had been with been with us for a while and they left and they said, you know what? Every time I listen to you, I'm convicted. So I'm just going somewhere else. You know, 
Sorry. <laughs> you just got to stay with your strong suit. That's my fault? You know why? Because let me go do something external. Can we have a VBS program and I'll do the Kool-Aid? I'm spiritual. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm a servant. That's what we do, isn't it? Well, can you do this for me? How about this? You know, as a pastor, I hate to ask people to do things. Because if the pastor asks, it's, oh, so God's asked me to do this and I need to do. And I hate doing that. I have people who come up to me and say, well, I believe we ought to try this. You know what? Knock yourself out. Why? He ain't laid that on my heart. (laughs) Why? Because I see people who want to do something for Jesus and then they choose what they want to do. That is the pot telling the potter what's happening. I don't like that. I don't like that. Back to our text. It says, for indeed, verse 10, for indeed, what had glory in this case has no glory because the glory that surpasses it. He said the old covenant had glory, but it has been, oh, so surpassed. The glory that remains in the new covenant dwarfs, completely covers the glory of the old covenant. You can't even see it anymore. Good news. There was an old covenant. Said each of us is a sinner before a holy, righteous God. And yet I watch us at times and it's almost like we're waiting for a new, new covenant. And I I don't, I don't understand that. This is it. There is no other. Look what he just said right there. In this case has no glory because of the glory that surpasses it. Oh, did I tell you that the old one was written in stone? But the new one's glory surpasses it. Now you think, well, it's written in stone. That makes it permanent. Yeah, it does. But it does not compare to the glory of the new covenant. See, the one had a ministry of death, a ministry of condemnation. It had glory. It was designed by God. It was holy. It was just. It was good. It established the standard of righteousness. Absolutely. I agree with it emphatically. For believers, those forgiven by God, saved, it is the path of blessing. Have you ever had your parents tell you you shouldn't do something? Okay, for uh, just fill in the blank. Okay, you shouldn't do this. The kids are all saying, my mom and dad never told me nothing. Okay, okay. All right. And there was times that when you heard them tell you something, you thought, well, that's corny. Why wouldn't I want to do that? Right. You guys, none of you guys ever had that. I had that experience. I mean, trust me on that. Okay. And. There, every time they told me you shouldn't do this and I did it, there was always consequences that really stunk. Maybe, maybe I just did things harder than you guys did. I don't know. All right. It's the same thing with God. We look at God's word. I was telling some guys when I come back from Russia that um, there's no divorce rate. 
in the church in Russia. There's no such thing as divorce in the church. I was like, how in the world do you pull that off? Well, for one thing, they won't let a believer marry an unbeliever. If they do, they kick them out of the church. You're not allowed to worship with us. And I thought, man, that's, that's a little harsh. Okay. They also don't allow dating. Okay. And everybody's like, what? Yeah, they don't. If you have an interest in someone in church, okay, you have to keep that interest in the church. I'm talking in the building walls. I had a couple that were my interpreters one in, in one of my times over there in, in Orel. And uh, my train was headed back to Moscow, and it was about 11... 11.30 at night, midnight, something like that. And uh, there's snow piles, geez, everywhere. And, and there's this fog thing comes in that if you stood in it, you would get wet. And then if you stayed out long enough, it would freeze. And I'm like, oh, that's... But anyway, uh, Valeri takes me up to my train station. We're getting ready and, and, and we're sitting there. And he says, well, Misha and Anna want to see you. And I was like, well, where are they? They said, well, they had to get somebody to come with them. And I said, what? He said, yeah, we don't allow singles in the church to go without a married couple. Yeah, I agree, Karen. Well, <laughs> okay. And pretty soon, sure enough, uh, Roma and his wife come walking up with Anna and, and Misha. Now, Anna and Misha, you're talking, uh, uh, he was 28, 29 years old, and she's like 26 years old. And they don't date. Now, we would look at that and think, well, that's so old-fashioned. Really? What's a divorce rate in a church? What's a divorce rate in a church in Russia? There isn't any. There isn't any. They're doing what God's Word says you should do, and there's a benefit in it. We would look at it and think, well, I just don't want my style crimp that crippled much or whatever, right? Isn't that true? I mean, you think about that. I mean, we look at that and we think, that's crazy. No, that's godly. That's godly. When I think about uh, the old covenant and its glory, I mean, you know, Moses and the shining thing and the Shekinah glory reflecting off of it. And yet I think without the new covenant, the whole world would have been thrown. Without the new, all the old covenant does is throw the whole of humanity into hell. Because you and I know that if someone says, I don't think you should do this, your first response is, why? Why? Isn't it? Go see a sign. Wet paint. What's your first thought? How wet? <laughs> What's almost dry? Listen, you think about this. The, the ministry of the old covenant prophets was always the same. Did you know that? Malachi, Habakkuk, uh, Jonah, Micah. Nahum, Isaiah, uh, all the way up to John the Baptist. Okay? 
is all the same. What was it? Repent. 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 Right? I know we don't like to hear that word today. Can you just change? No, repent. God says repent. The whole point. We are each brought to the law and called to what? Repent. Change. Why? The path you are on is not going to have a benefit for you. Let me ask, it's, it's a simple question. Maybe you're dealing with it today. I know you did in the, before your salvation is, when was your flesh satisfied? When did your flesh say, I've had enough? Never. And yet God says, here, these would be limits for you. And your flesh is, not me, man. I ain't on no part of that. I'm free in Christ. The whole point of the Old Testament prophets was to bring the people to the point that says, your sins have been revealed. Repent. Repent. You know what? That's not called for. It's funny because in Russia, when a person comes to salvation, they don't say, well, I accepted Jesus or I received Jesus or I did this or I did that. They will all say the same thing. I came to repentance at this point. And what happens is with you and I, our flesh, when the law starts crushing it, our flesh decides we can't get saved. I can't keep this thing. Let's make a ritual. Let's make a ceremony. Let's make a system so that I will appease my conscience. And all it does is damn souls. That's it. When I look at the evangelical church in the United States today, what I see is a place that is appeasing souls. And it's damning them. That's all it's doing. I've never seen anything like it. I'm a history buff. And I look at the history of the church. And I have never seen the church in history look like it does right now. Because it is a tragedy. We put the ceremonial on top. Now if I have the ceremony on top. I have a savior. I worship according to the letter of my little ceremony. And all it does is condemn and damns. Heard a new illustration that says that men are coming to salvation when you can get them together in groups and they become vulnerable to one another. I ride a motorcycle. I feel pretty vulnerable. Okay, and that's now how we're going to get people saved. Is that we we just become vulnerable to one another. Really? Did you know that you were blind, naked, and depraved? That's kind of vulnerable. Okay, I'm thinking that if you just confront them with that, you're going to get a bunch of guys standing around and what? What are we going to sit there and tell you all the things that you did wrong and all the things that I did wrong and now we're vulnerable? Really? No, I'm a sinner saved by grace. How about you? We see the ceremonial law as symbolic now of God's provision of something in the future. See, We know God is merciful, don't we? There ain't a person in this room you have not 
yourself personally dealt with the mercy of God. I guarantee you. Guarantee you. And we come to the place that we cast ourselves on that, Lord. Save me. Have mercy and grace. We understand that we would be redeemed on the basis of what Christ would do on our sinner's behalf. So many today disobey the law. They offer no genuine repentance. They exercise no saving faith in God. They are dependent not on God's grace and mercy, but on their own system, rituals, methodologies. They keep an external religion and they are killed by it. I see it in the Old Testament when the Old Testament prophets would come along and constantly call for repentance over and over and over and over and over. And it's always the same message. God's righteousness, your sinfulness, God's wrath, your damnation. Oh, that's that fire and brimstone Baptist stuff. It's mind-boggling. I know people today who say it is not their business to preach repentance. Evangelical pastors. Now, I don't call nobody to repentance. I don't believe that's my job. You know what's weird about that? 66 books of the Bible, it's always the same message. Repentance. Verse 11. For if that which fades away was with glory, much more that which remains is in glory. You know what he just told you? The new covenant is permanent. He says, you should have been smart enough to say that the old covenant is not permanent. You should have seen that all along. Jeremiah seen it. He's proclaimed it. Repent because a better covenant is coming. John the Baptist was out in front of Christ saying what? Repent. The kingdom is at hand. He says, I have a baptism of what? Repentance. I'm preparing the way for the one who will fill the soul of fallen man. That's the new covenant, people. What can you do to add to that? And yet we do. Well, if I pray on my knees, if I pray on my face, if I pray in my closet, if I burn a candle when I'm praying in my closet, I'll set my house on fire. <laughs> Whatever. But we do it. We add things. You know, do you have a youth group? Do you have a singles group? Do you have a divorce recovery group? But do you see what I'm trying to get at? We do this and we throw all of these things at him. And I'm saying, we have Christ, the indwelling of the Spirit, the power of the Creator, who will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you and I could ever imagine. Bow to Him. Oh my goodness. I get frustrated by this, don't you tell? See, Moses had a glory and it was on his face and it faded away. Because it wasn't coming from the inside. It was just a reflection. Moses, as long as he was in God's presence, it was a reflecting glory. But it faded away. Guess what? The new covenant. The glory of God is imputed into me. And it is never, ever fading. It should be getting brighter and brighter. We'll deal with that in the weeks to come. (laughs) 
The new covenant remains because it is the completion of God's plan. The final word. It isn't the old covenant and the new covenant plus a tradition plus a bowing down, a standing up, a lighting a candle. You haven't been to a Catholic service with the up and down and up and down. Man, about where are you out? Sorry, I've been to them before. And you're like, you got to, you know, I'll just go to this. I don't need a membership to no health club. Um <laughs> Some of you got it. Some of you didn't. The new covenant is the final word. There is no other word. It's clear. It's I don't have to remember the, how the book of Revelation ends. Anyone who adds to this, the plagues will be added to them. I don't think people believe that. I see a lot of people adding stuff. And it's scary. The new covenant ministry will continue and is never will be replaced. Remember, we are ministers of the new covenant. We have been made adequate ministers by God. There's no more to do. There's no more to say. It's all been done. It's all been done in Christ. He accomplished. I really wish that you guys would just take your own time and see when he says it is finished. Understand what Jesus is trying to tell you. To tell It lacks nothing. It is absolutely complete. There's nothing here you're going to add to. There's nothing you can. You don't need more. You don't need less. You don't. This is it. It's all done. As we grow in our understanding of the gospel. But we'll never go beyond the gospel. Your understanding gets bigger. I mean, I did covenant years ago. I'm not waiting for number three covenant. Okay. I know that several years ago when I went and compared the two covenants and went through covenant. Remember, some of you were here when we went through Hebrews. That is like a serious dose of Old and New Covenant. Okay, I had a big understanding. But even now, as I'm looking at this text, my vision grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And I keep thinking, good Lord, why are we throwing all of this garbage, calling it spirituality, when it's not? I am complete in Christ. The false in Corinth, as in today, will boast of their teachings. Some will boast on, you know how old my teachings are? And yet Paul demolishes it. Proves it to be nothing more than dangerous. The minister of the new covenant brings the right message of hope, righteousness. He doesn't bring a message of condemnation. doesn't bring a message of death. I don't need no mysticism. I don't need no mystical religion. I don't need no exotic ceremonies that brings some kind of spiritual reality, I have the reality of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is crying for men who will not carry the message of stone, but carry the message of the cross. Not the message of Sinai, but the message of Calvary. He's warning us and the Corinthians, shed the ceremonialism. Shed the external religion. Shed the external law. The symbols. Somebody said it's nothing but a dry rot religiosity. 
See, the battle between bondage of legalism and the freedom of spiritual Christianity it hasn't ceased. You see it in Galatians, you see it in Second Corinthians, you see it in Romans, Ephesians, and Philippians. So I'm thinking there's a pattern of a problem there. Luther fought against it. Okay? Do you understand Stephen fought against it? That's why they stoned him. But do you realize that Stephen was only carrying on what Jesus had already done? External religiosity? I tell you the truth, the day is coming, and it is now. Men will worship in spirit and in truth. Paul carried it on. Do you see? That's still the old covenant, new covenant. Listen, brothers and sisters, I'm going to close because I want you to understand something. The danger is there. It is extraordinarily real. And if you hold on to it, it will condemn you. It will condemn you. The superiority of the new covenant, it gives life, it produces righteousness, and it is permanent. (laughs) And there's more to come, and we'll press on next week. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that my brothers and my sisters rejoice in what you've given. And I think... We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. I struggle so to understand that. Father, help us to hear. Help us to rejoice in what you've done. Father, when we think that it is complete, Father, let us understand that it is complete. Father, let us walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Let us be strengthened in the inner man. Help us to grasp the massive love that Christ has for us. Let us stand in the grace that is in Christ. Father, let us, please, Lord, let each and every one of us here today fall in love a little bit more with our Savior, our Lord, our Creator. Father, may our love grow with every breath you grace us till that day our faith becomes sight. Help us, Lord. Help us. To you and you alone. Amen.